I'm thinking about how we can come to a deeper place in terms of um, worshipping Jesus, talking to Jesus. Uh, I've talked about the wonder and the majesty of God, and we looked at the universe and how incredibly, amazingly, mind-bogglingly vast it is. Uh, we talked about the danger of uh, reducing God to something we can understand. Um, and how that's extremely unhelpful. And last time, last week, I was sharing about our time together like this and how there's a flow of life that we're seeking to find together. So we, we looked at this verse in Ezekiel 47 and verse 9, wherever the river flows, life will flourish. Where the river flows, life abounds. I love that verse. It's beautiful, isn't it? Because there's a river of life that flows. You can't see it, but there's a river of life in the spirit, if you like, and... and and the idea is to kind of find that flow. And that's why, because I realise sometimes we might stand up here and go, we don't really know what we're doing. And I realise that sounds like we didn't prepare and we didn't, we're not kind of, it sounds like it's very kind of... But the truth is, of course, we do prepare a lot. Um, so I spent hours preparing what I'm going to say to you and first spent some time yesterday playing a piano and singing and worshipping and, and Ian and I spent time reading and thinking... But the thing is, if you prepare too much, you just miss what God's doing. So if you have this kind of strict, okay, we're going boom, 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 there's no room for God to move in it. And of course, he speaks before, but sometimes when you get together, there's something really special, and you go, oh, actually, actually, there's something of God there. So that's why we kind of move and flow. And Anyway, listen to it. I, I'm not going to say it all again. Um, but we said this, when we're together on a Sunday morning, we're not trying to create something. We're not trying to create an atmosphere to make you feel good or create even an atmosphere that makes it easy for you to sing. We're trying to find a flow that's already there. We're going seeking, we're not going creating. We're trying to seek something. And um, we talked about what makes a good Sunday morning. So I talked about all those things you have about what makes it good or not. Um, and a lot of our, our ideas of what makes a good Sunday morning uh, are actually all based on ourselves. So did I get enough hugs, you know, did somebody walk past me, did I feel the sense of God, did I get prayed for, did I get the person who wanted to pray for me, pray for me, did I, do you know what I mean? It's like, but they're all the wrong questions, and wrong questions never get good answers. And, and so, because, and I've been misquoting JFK for the last few weeks, I'm going to do it again, because um, I just like doing it. Uh, when we gather together, ask not what your God can do for you, ask what you can do for your God. Because many people come and they go, well, God's going to do something for me today. And he probably will. But actually, to have the best time together, when everybody comes going, what can I do for my God? That means we create something extra special that doesn't normally happen because we get out of our selfishness, basically. Um, and often we look to people on the platform to make things happen. But, but in the Bible, we read these words. There was a church in Corinth, and Paul was trying to help them in their times together. He says, here's what I want you to do. When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. A hymn, a lesson, a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. But be prepared with something that will be useful for all. In other words, don't come going, I'm going to sit here and now those people on the platform are going to sort it all out for me. No, come, what can I give? What can I bring? And it might just be, it might be a hug, it might be a smile. And sometimes it's just being aware. A few Sundays ago, I was, I was uh, just talking to somebody, this was after the I don't like to say after because it implies there's a start and a finish, but after, after people had got off the platform, let's, I don't even know how to phrase it, but you know what I mean, <laughs> right? When everybody on the platform had show up, I was talking to somebody, and out of the corner of my eye, I spotted somebody sat on their own. And I just thought, it just felt strange somehow. It didn't feel right. And I kept talking to this person I was talking to, and they kept talking. 
And I, I kind of glanced again, and I saw this person again, and I was like, no, there's something not quite right there. And I went, do you know what? Excuse me. I just need to go see this person. And I went, and I, I put my arm around him, and they went, <laughs> And I, I don't think it was because I sat next to him. But um, <laughs> I think it's because, but, but this is what I mean. You see, these are ways you can be about. Be aware. Be looking. Be thinking. All the, and, and that could have been anybody. All they wanted, they sat there on their own for at least three or four minutes. And all they needed was somebody to put their arm around them and go, how are you? Well, that could have been it. But we get so engrossed. Oh, I used to be like, I used to have a to-do list after church. You have a to-do list? I've got to see this person, this person, this person. Get that Tupperware back off that person and see if this person can go for a coffee. All right? And we're so bothered about getting our Tupperware back, we forget that God's actually still wanting us to do something. Yeah? We're so bothered because we've forgotten the last three weeks. We go, we must get it back today. All right? But actually, there's always things going on. But be alert. These are all ways you can serve, you can bring, you can bring. Even in the, do you know what I mean? When we're singing, be alert. Be alert. You're allowed to go over and talk to somebody and give them a hug whilst we're singing. It's not like there's a kind of rule that says you can't. But there's all these things we can do. So, because the truth is as well, no one on this platform can ignite your heart to whatever it takes to get you to worship. They can't lift your heart, they can't refresh your soul, they can't satisfy your thirst, they can't turn the door of the heart, they can't warm the spirit. But what the guys up here, their role is to provide direction and to bring order and cohesiveness and provide the best opportunity for us together find that river. That's what they're here to do. And the more we understand that and the more we get that, the more dynamic and unique and precious that our times become. And we're going in that direction, which is just wonderful. Of course, though, that's wonderful on a Sunday morning, but we're here for like a maximum, most people, two hours. And there's a lot of the rest of the week. And really what God wants you to do is find that river every moment of every day. Because there is a river flowing every moment of every day. So I really want to talk about that. I want to talk about, well, what does that mean on a Wednesday? What does it mean on a Friday night? What does it mean on a Monday? What, what does that mean? How do you do that then? Because it's got to be different from when we're all together here. So that's what we're going to explore today. We're going to talk about religious offerings, childbirth, your payslip, and your boss. And somehow we're going to link all those together to talk about finding the river on a Monday to a Saturday. But in order to find it, you might have to change the way you think about what you do during the week. And before we get on to that, we might have to view our actions during the week to make sure we have a right view of this word, worship. Because worship is not something that you do, it's something that you are. So we got that verse there, Romans 12 and verse 1 says this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Worship is living a life laid down in praise of Jesus. The message version, which is like a different way of uh, interpreting the words, says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your ordinary everyday life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So worship then is about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice on a daily basis. It's not really about singing songs or waving flags. They're just one expression of it. But it's about giving yourself over totally to Jesus moment by moment. That's what it's really all about. It's living with him consciously throughout each and every day so that everything you do brings praise to him and is a worshipful offering. Washing up and doing the shopping can be just as worshipful as what we're doing right now. Just as worshipful. 
The problem is we have a big disconnect in our heads. Because it's really about a heart attitude that wants to please God in everything that takes place. And it's not meant to be a conscious act, although it will have to start being a conscious act, but it's not meant to be something, oh, oh yeah, I need to do that now. No, it's meant to be something that just flows all the time. But we have to re-examine some of our thoughts about life if we're going to do that. Because your life, it's that you're, you live and breathe a life that speaks of him, which automatically reflects a devotion that means it's consumed with God. So when we come together, and this is the thing. So a few people I know think, all right, I, can, I need to work on my Sunday morning worship. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's a completely wrong way to look at it. You need to work on your worship. Because if you worship him naturally Monday to Saturday, you don't have to do anything on Sunday morning. It will just flow out of you. That's the thing. But some of us go, oh, yeah, okay, Sunday morning, I've got to do it. No, 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 no. Now, when you start to understand that every moment of every day is a gift from the Father to you, and you can use it to worship him, but we have to understand what that might mean, because we have some strange thoughts about what can and cannot be that, then it's really easy. Otherwise, our Sunday gatherings are just a religious offering. If when we come to church, we switch it on and go, oh, yeah, oh, praise you, Jesus, and then we completely forget about the attitude for the rest of the week, that's called religion and switching it on. That's not called a life, a continual, constant life that flows through every moment of the day. Because God's really not interested in religious offerings. He makes that really clear in his word. It's not some great show of singing and dancing, but a life laid down. And what happens as you lay down your life more and more is you want to sing and dance more and more because it's a natural expression of your heart. That's just what happens. But there are some things we can do to start acting as though there are no reservations and no walls that we sometimes sing about. We've got that slide there. So this is what you can do. You can stop worrying what everybody else will think and start being more concerned about Jesus. That might help. You can stop focusing on what you can get out of it and start focusing on what you can put into it. And you can stop being held back by various fears and doubts and start doing something you've never done before. Now those all apply equally to the times when we're together, but they also apply wonderfully well to the whole of your life. Because if you actually want to worship Jesus, you will have to stop worrying what everybody else will think and start being more concerned with Jesus for a start. You'll have to stop focusing on what you can get out of everything and start focusing on what you can put in. And you'll have to stop being held back by various fears and doubts and start doing something you've never done before. This thing is all about your heart. You see, this whole thing about worship and prayers... You have to understand it comes from your heart. And your heart is an incredible... You know your heart... No, we won't go there yet. So, your heart is an incredible thing. But you realise your heart is your responsibility, don't you? It's not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. Your heart and what goes on in there is your responsibility. And and you see, I realise if you've not kind of captured this yet and got this yet, this idea of worship flowing from your heart through the week, it... It becomes difficult on a Sunday morning then to kind of switch it on. And you feel like you've got to kind of get going. But if you can start to develop a mindset that I'm going to teach you this morning, you'll find it so much easier because you've already been doing it. And it's not always easy. You see, very often, many of us live life based on our feelings. And that's what we do. It's not the most healthy way to live life, but it's what most of us do. But actually, your feelings are completely useless in helping you praise and worship Jesus. Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says this, 
Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Well, every sacrifice means killing something. Sacrifice means to give up something. And very often, when it comes to worshipping Jesus, what you have to sacrifice is what you feel. Many, many times I've sat in this building and not felt like I really want to worship him. I've not felt like I'm really, really. But I do it anyway. And five, ten minutes later, I'm in a different place. Why is that? Because I sacrificed what I felt to do what I knew my spirit wanted to do. Then my spirit took over and came over my feelings. But you've got to discipline yourself to do that. You've got to go, no, 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 okay, I, I feel this, I feel that. Okay, yeah, well, that's true of everybody. But the ones who have learned to worship, they just go above it. And then they sing from the Spirit. And then suddenly you forget about it all. But it's got to be a, a sacrifice. You see, your feelings are important. God gave you them. And they keep you aware of what's going on the inside of you. That's what they're really there for. They tell you what's going on the inside of you. They're a little bit like car warning lights, your emotions, okay? They tell you something's wrong. They'd always tell you exactly what's wrong. So you have an engine management light, which basically means I could be wrong. All right? I don't even know. It's like a, we don't really know what's wrong with your car, but something's wrong, so we'll put a light up there. All right? No, you have, I don't know, you, you have your fuel one, don't you? Well, your feelings are like those warning lights, but then you have to work out what's actually going on. Like my fuel light on my car, if I park it on a hill, it comes on when there's like 100 miles left in the tank. Well, I know that's because the sensor is at one end of the tank, and as soon as I do it, the fuel will come up and touch the sensor. But if you're not careful, you can panic sometimes and think, oh, no, 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 but I understand. I use, I use the warning light and my knowledge of the car to understand what's going on. Well, it's just the same with you. Your emotions are warning lights that you have to use to understand what's going on with you. And so they're extremely useful. Except they're not useful in telling you anything about God. That's the one thing they're completely useless at, is telling you anything about God. Because your feelings are all based on what you see and feel and experience and hear, which is nothing to do with where he is, which is transcendent above it all. So, why do we get on your feelings? I have no idea. But, oh, that's it. They tell you nothing about who God is or how he operates. So often you have to sacrifice doing what you feel like doing for doing what you were designed to do. Because you were designed and created to do it. So, this is a question for you. How do my attitudes and actions in my daily life reflect a lifestyle of worship to Jesus? How do my attitudes and actions in my daily life reflect a lifestyle of worship to Jesus? Now, before we... Uh, the next place we've got to go is, is talk about what it means to work because I realise that lots of people talk about going to work. What they mean by that is they're going somewhere and somebody's going to compensate them in cash for doing something. That's what they mean. But then we talk about people who are retired or people who volunteer and we say they don't work, but that's just nonsense, isn't it? It's just nonsense. Once you, we all work. The biblical definition of work is not that you get paid for it. In fact, work can be any activity that contributes to the provision of human needs. Cooking, washing, caring for children, food shopping, car maintenance, as well as those activities that generate money directly. In other words, you all work, don't you? You don't stop working when you're retired. It's not like when you're retired, the dishes automatically wash themselves and clothes get themselves in washer, is it? Yeah, it would be lovely. But they don't, do they? It's not like when you volunteer for somebody, you don't work. No, you, you work, don't you? You all work, don't you? Okay, good. Otherwise, you're going to be a bit bored. Because um, it won't be very relevant. But you do all work. Whether you think it or not, you all work. And we have to be careful with this stuff. 
Because as well, a lot of the time, we come at this thing thinking, well, if I don't get paid, it's not like as important. And if I'm volunteering, I can just come and go whenever I please. Well, I'm not sure that's a biblical definition of work. Just because you get paid for it should make no difference whatsoever to your commitment to it. It shouldn't make any difference. But it does because we think the world goes, I'm getting paid, so I've got to turn up on time, turn up every day. I'm volunteering. I don't feel like it today. No, that's not right. What that says is something about how you view work and getting paid, which is not right, according to as I see in the word. You see, work... Well, let's ask this next question, actually. Have we got it there? Is what you do during the week valuable to God? Is what you do during the week valuable to God? Does it mean something to him? Or is it just something you do to pay the bills so you can get into your calling? And you have to answer that question, does it mean something? My answer to that question is yes, no matter what it is. Because you, are, I know some of you go, oh well, Audrey, she works in a Christian school with little kids, like of course that means something to God. Phil, Eve stands up for the poor, of course that means something to God. And then we look at Ian, well what does Ian do? Well Ian buys and sells industrial estates. But I tell you what, that is just as important to God. Why? Because he's in a place he meets all sorts of people, interacts with tons of people, and provides a service for people who are trying to build businesses, who are trying to make money, who are employing people, who are looking after people. Yeah? But we have this thought, oh, you know, I work for CAP, so I have minds for God. Yeah, well, it is, but it's no... Did you hear that John got a CBE as well? Yeah? Mr. Kirby got a CBE. I'm so happy for him. I saw it. Wonderful. John Kirby leads CAP, if you don't know any. He used to be part of our family, so we're so delighted for him. It's just wonderful that he's received that honor. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. But you see, we easily go, well, I work for a Christian chariot that rescues people from poor. Well, of course, of course God's pleased with that. Yeah, no, but, you know, Hannah's at home looking after a little one. I mean, God loves that. He loves all of it. He absolutely loves all of it. Whatever you do, he loves it to pieces. And to him, the answer to that question is, oh, yeah, it's really, really valuable. But often we don't put that value on ourselves. But I believe to him it's incredibly valuable. Why? Because God's a worker God, and he expected us to work. Genesis 2 and verse 15. And this is all, this is all when it's all perfect, because the Bible starts off with perfection, then it all goes wrong, and then it gets back to God making it perfect. But this is the bit before it all goes wrong. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of him to work it, and take care of it. Adam was not put in the garden and just sit on a sunbed and have Eve bring him cocktails. <laughs> all the other way around. Careful. Um, all right? He was meant to work it and take care of it. Now, I don't know what that meant in perfection. I don't know what that really means. I just know the word is he's going to work it. Cultivate it. He was asked to help out. And just, just think how many... So God makes this perfect garden and then goes, yeah, but I need your help. The God who made the whole universe and made the earth makes man and then goes, I need your help. That's why it's valuable to him, because he needs your help. Which is beautiful, because it means he values you enough to be in partnership with you, to want you to help. But you have to kind of come to this place where you're going to know what I do is really valuable. Even in a perfect world, we were meant to work, and work was intended, listen to this, as a source of pleasure and satisfaction. It still is. It was intended to be a good thing, a wonderful thing. And of course, that idea shifted in our, in our culture, partly because you get paid, 
And from an economic point of view, your payment is compensation for doing something, which is an assumption that you would not do it if you did not get compensated. The whole thing about pay is that you don't really want to do it. Because that's why you get paid. To make it worth your while for doing something. There's this inbuilt assumption that assumes you need to be compensated for working and that if you're not paid, you wouldn't do it. Which is why, as a church, by the way, we don't talk about paying people. We don't talk about paying people, we talk about honouring people. Because we don't pay anybody. And I'll be honest, no one who works here needs to be compensated for it because they love it and they want to be here. I know that because a few years ago, we got less money. And we got... We had no money. We were skint as a church, so we took pay cuts, 10% or 20%. But, but nobody turned around and went, well, Margaret didn't go, well, if you pay me a bit less, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here half a day less. Nobody did that. And neither should they. In any environment. In any environment. Of course, it's a bit... In this environment, I didn't go, well, I'm getting paid less. I'm only doing four days a week now. I just went, okay, well, God's got me, would he? But what about you? What about you in your, and you go, well, that's a church. Yeah, but no, no, it's just a place where we have people, where we look after people. What about you? How would you go, oh, pay me less, I'm off now. Well, just think it through. Why? Of course, I understand you need your bills to pay, but we'll get on to that in a minute. You see, the work of nature did, the work of nature, I think that's meant to be the nature of work, did change. So Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, um, so it all goes a bit pear-shaped. Adam and Eve do what they're not meant to do. God goes, oh, flipping heck. I'm going to have to build you out because that's what I have to do, even though I want to. That's what God ended up doing. And then he says, okay, now it's gonna, uh, I'll make your pains of childbearing severe. With pain, you'll give birth to children. And he, he talks of these things. So there's some consequences, basically. There'd be toil, there'd be satisfaction, childbirth would be painful, but there would still be joy. And it didn't change the command of work, nor the value of it. Work isn't man's idea, it's God's. And it's integral to what we do. And importantly, your daily work is not... If you're in this place where you're going, okay, I'm going to work so that I can do this, there's a problem. I realise it might not be what you want to do, but if your attitude is, I'm going in here to earn some money so that I can do this, well, it's like, mm, you're, miss, you're missing something really, really special. Because Colossians 3, verse 23, 25 says this. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ Jesus. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a Christian doesn't cover up bad work. You see, the key in terms of work being worship is determined when we understand who we are working for. Who is your boss? Who is it you're trying to please? Who is it that you're aiming to put a smile on the face? See, many people are under the illusion that they work for those who give them a paycheck. Or if we're unpaid in the home, for example, we work for the rest of the family. But it's not true. Who's your source? Who is it that provides for you? Is it the person or company who puts the cash in your account at the end of the week or month? Or if you don't get paid, is it the thanks and praise you get for what you do, which should be happening? You see, when you fully understand that you, the ultimate master you're serving is Christ, it should make a difference. 
It should be that you are going above and beyond because you understand that you're not trying to get a tick on your performance appraisal from this person because you're doing it for him. And when you fully understand it, it can change your whole perspective on what you do. And this is where it becomes worship because it's about laying down your life. It's not about doing what your boss says. It's not about doing a job that's just good enough to get by. It's not about doing things that are home that are just okay because so-and-so won't mind. It is about laying down your life in the service of your king. So work is not something to be looked upon as a chore or a labor, but an opportunity to worship. Just think what difference it would make if on Monday morning you went in and went, this is my opportunity to worship Jesus. And if you could manage to keep that line of thinking, wherever you're going, whether it's school or college or you're in the home or meeting people or whatever, this is my opportunity to worship Jesus. This is my opportunity to bring praise and glory. This is my opportunity to bless him. Rather than, okay, right, well, I've got so-and-so, 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 so-and-so's so -so, so -so back from holiday. They're going to be a pain in bum. I don't want to meet them. Hopefully they'll be off sick. So-and-so do this, so-and-so do that. Can you say how it might make a difference? Work is not something to be looked upon as a chore or a labor, but an opportunity to worship. Because your reward is not someone saying thank you. All your paycheck, your reward, is your inheritance from him. You see, we too often slip into this mindset that, that somehow our church family and what we do and work are like these separate things, but they're not. They are one. And you simply don't find that separate thinking anywhere in the Bible. It's this one joined up life. There is one life that is to be lived in service to one king. And maybe we should keep in mind always that the ultimate master you are serving is Christ. So three questions to finish with. Who are you working for? Who are you serving? And who are you living for? Because when you manage to think of life all of life, in that way. Honestly, you'll find a river and a flow that will be different. When you start to think in that way, you'll find things happening that don't normally happen. When you stop doing everything you can for that next promotion and start going, how can I worship you today? You'll find the promotion probably comes anywhere. When you start going, Jesus, how can I serve today? How can I love today? What can I do today? When you, when you go outside your job description just because you think Jesus might want you to do it, you'll find that that kind of rubs off everywhere. And even if it doesn't, you've done it for him anyway. Even if it never does, you've done it for Jesus. So I want to encourage you. There is a flow of life. Yes, it's here together and we're finding it and that's beautiful, but there's a flow of life all the time. And just think, where's the river? Every time you meet somebody, sit around the dinner table. All the time, you're washing up. Where's the river? If you can get into that vein of thought, you kind of move into this whole different realm of just being aware, and then things start to open up that really make life exciting. Because otherwise, well, basically, you're just doing what everybody else does, and you were not called to do that. You were called to morph. You were called to bigger and better, and you were called to see wonderful, incredible, fantastic things every day of your life. But it will only come about as you start to live it as a life of worship every day. Shall we pray?
Father, we thank you that you are you and that you are so wonderful. And Lord, we, we want to first of all just say sorry, Lord, for those times when we've not, we've not seen work as a joy, we've not seen work as an opportunity to worship. We've complained and whinged and moaned and whined. And Lord, we're sorry. We want to find that place where work, whatever that means for us, is a worship to your name. He's a praise to you. And Lord, I'm asking that as we do that, you would meet us in that place. I'm asking that those things that only come about by moving in that river would come about, Father. There'd be some wonderful, exciting, fantastic, miraculous things that go on because we understand that when we are during the week, we are able to live it entirely for you.